everybody, and welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. Ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because today... That's right. You've got a book you wanted to share. You know, every once in a while we we take part in our scheduled reading, but you know we like to go our own paths sometimes and read our own books and keep that keep that creative spark going. And and in this case, Dylan, you you went off and and read a a unique little story that you've decided to come to the show and uh, share with us today. Isn't that right? That is exactly right, Charles. Mm, I, I so. am ready to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I am ready to recommend. This is how you lose the time war, which is written by two authors, Amal El Matar and Max Gladstone. Uh, it is a novella. It won numerous awards. It won the. Nebula Award for Best Novella of 2019, the 2020 Hugo Award for Best Novella as well, and the BSFA Award for Best Shorter Fiction. Uh, I think you also mentioned it was a Goodreads Choice Award winner, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was a nominee for Best Science Fiction in 2019. Oh, <laughs> just a nominee yeah. wow you win the hugo but you, you can't swing the the goodreads <laughs> tough award. to crack that uh, goodreads I'm sure, choice yeah. award <laughs> right, right. To settle well, for i'm sure the they'll hugo. take the right i'm sure they'll take the hugo and the nebula and be okay with it but it's it's a charming <laughs> better book. luck next it's, time guys uh, <laughs> right i'm sure it's a big disappointment when you know you only take home the Hugo and the Nebula, but it's uh, and you know the other word I mentioned, but it's under two hundred pages. So uh, and as you can see, Charles, it's a little book, and mm-hmm. uh, you you gotta love a book that's able to deliver in that short a time. You know, we love Brandon Sanderson, but we're in the midst of reading Rhythm of War, and uh, oh, that is. Jeez, like what was like twelve hundred plus pages, something like that. It's like that. sixty hours so of audiobook. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that's the metric I'm going. So which is like nice. three pretty lengthy fantasy novels. Yeah, it's nice <laughs> to take a little bit of time away and read some uh, science fiction, relatively light on the on the science part of it, but uh, some science fiction that I cruise through. It's like a read it before bed. Uh, 20 minutes every night for a little while and then I was done with it before I knew it uh absolutely fantastic book I gave it five stars over on Goodreads and um yeah I'm looking forward to getting deeper into a review here Charles because I I really love this one yeah I'm excited to hear about it you know it's kind of went under my radar I when you brought it up I had never heard of it so I'm interested in learning more yeah I think it's a little bit outside what we normally read it's outside our our typical community in terms of the fantasy reading community it's funny how something like this can win hugo and nebula but because it's science fiction and not fantasy it just kind of 
goes under the radar for us and i'm sure there's all sorts of huge science fiction fans who this was like a huge deal that they were talking about a lot in their community but uh, yeah you know i'd seen it around i i I love the title and and Mm -hmm. the cover is pretty nice too so whenever you catch me with a cool title like this is how you lose the time more i i gravitate toward it I'm apparently really into time travel novels, even though I was going to say, this is not the first time travel novel you you brought to the table or even the second. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I don't know what my deal is. Like, I remember when I brought it up last time and I I caught some heat uh, for this on on social media. I was like, every time I see some things about time travel, I kind of roll my eyes because (laughs) I'm like, oh, haven't we done this enough? And then I just go and read another time travel book. So it's... uh, (laughs) An interesting quirk, I guess, where, you know, sometimes you don't know what, (laughs) like, you yourself gravitate toward. And for me, yeah, this is, uh, I guess, scratching that time travel itch. But, yeah, I'll I'll get into it. It's it's not like this deep uh, science fiction, or I should rephrase that. It's not heavy on the science fiction aspects uh it's just kind of has the time travel and the uh, fact that it's set uh deep in the future or, uh, as a backdrop to what it's primarily about but i i describe it as spy versus spy meets romeo and juliet in a science fiction world based around a time travel driven war between two post-human societies like wow, that. spy versus spy. It's a Del Marsh original. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought about spy versus spy in a hot minute. Okay, I'm interested. Go uh, on. Think about it. Think about it, Charles. <laughs> I'm going to process that as you continue. <laughs> I'm inviting you to think about it. <laughs> Invitation you know, accepted. Spy versus spy. Right, it's like these two rivals, kind of uh, like going at it i can't were they called red and blue the two spies and spy i thought it was black and white wasn't it black and white oh is it black and white yeah i thought so we'll look it up it's less important the two characters in this are red and blue but they kind of have that like spy versus spy rivalry relationship and uh yeah it's also a uh, an epistolary novel which I, I just learned what that meant because I'm not as refined as some folks. Uh, do you know that one, Charles? No. I won't put you on the spot. No. I, I But I, you know, I just like epistolary. Epistolary. No. <laughs> epistolary. Epistolary. So I, I only put you on the spot because I, you know, I disclosed I didn't know it. So it's a novel that's written as a series of letters, which is kind of interesting. We've got these uh, two characters, right? Yeah, so we got these two characters where there's Red, who works for a post-singularity technotopia called The Agency. And then on the other side of this time travel-based war, we've got Blue, who works for an entirely organic, like nature-driven, uh, future organization that's called The Garden. And... The two are on opposite sides of this war in which each respective organization has all of these different agents that they send out to like the countless parallel universes going on and have them try to alter the timeline in order to serve whatever future that 
agency wants uh, to exist, like whatever future favors their own vision of how they want things to be. Mm-hmm. So we've got Red on one side as the serving the tech-based one, and then the nature-based one is Blue. Uh, both are kind of the best at what they do, and they're growing bored because they're just living through, like, countless i it doesn't say how long but i'm like imagining they're living like thousands and thousands maybe millions of years over the course of uh, their lives and they're just like really good at it but they're kind of growing yeah bored and like jaded by the whole thing and they're sort of going through the motions until oh like when you She's walking among a battlefield of this dying world where Red just, like, killed a bunch of people to try to serve the future. Uh, She stumbles upon a letter from Blue, and it reads, burn before reading. So it's like this encrypted message that only exists when she burns it. Um, And... It's just this letter of Blue just, like, mocking and taunting Red because Blue just, like, did something to screw up, like, what Red was trying to uh, change about the timeline. So, like, it's it's really good, the wordplay and all this kind of stuff of how, how they write this. But it, reading this letter, it's just, like, mocking her, taunting her, and then red in the next chapter goes ahead and does the same thing back to blue so it's each chapter is kind of written as like there's this brief portion where you're like dealing with like each one is from uh like it's an alternating uh point of view so first one red second one blue next one red next one blue um in terms of the chapters um each chapter starts off with kind of like red was in this world dealing with these kind of things and then stumbles upon a letter. Blue is in, you know, Blue is hanging out with Genghis Khan and doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> Blue stumbles upon the letter. And then it's like these back and forth epistolary things and starts out as this very much like, hey, I screwed you over. Like, take that. Like, see you next time. You know, sort of um, if we're going, Charles was very focused on Pokemon for some reason before. Uh, for some we were getting reason, into this because you know I brought up red and blue in the world. Yeah, that he kept saying that over and over <laughs> again. It's like, can we talk about something else? I want to record, but it's it's the red and the blue talk. You know, mm-hmm. once you say red and blue, Charles is just like, oh, I remember I had a Game Boy, and <laughs> I <laughs> he was going on and on about the Game Boys, and then. And saying how great it was because he had a twin brother so he could get the red and then Chris could get the blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, to uh, all of this to say, it was kind of like the uh, like red will come to uh, find this letter and just like the uh, much longer equivalent and wordier equivalent of like Gary was here, Ash is a loser or whatever. That's like <laughs> classic. Thing, right? Okay, I understand. <laughs> right. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. So it's as long as I put it in Pokemon terms, then then Charles can yeah. can grasp it. It's so uh, it's yeah, it's really interesting uh, though because the all of Red's letters are written by Gladstone, and all of Blue's letters are written by Elmatar. So we've got like that's how they do the two author thing, and they actually wrote this. Uh, 
like they came up with a general outline and they're on a like a writing retreat together and they would just like sit across from each other and one would write like the letter and then uh, they'd give it to the other person and then the other person would read the letter and they would write back. So the only thing they came up together with were more of the like plot points and then they would come up together with like, oh, where is blue this time? What like mm-hmm. uh, what historical situation? Like there'll be times where she's like in Atlantis or something like that. So they'd come up with that together, but they're genuinely surprised by what the other person is writing as a response to their letter. So it's it's a very organic feeling in that way it's like, what an it's, interesting it's a really cool writing premise. process yeah, yeah. But like because i was wondering how two writers work together to create a book and then well you make it a book about two writers exchanging letters you know it's like okay that makes sense like yeah it's that's really interesting actually i like that clever yeah yeah a writer's retreat you said what, what the heck a retreat is this <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, writers do this, they'll, like, get writing groups together. I think there's ones where you can, like, pay to be a part of it. But they'll get groups of writers together. They'll just, like, go somewhere that is remote and uh, oftentimes with no Wi-Fi, no internet, which Mm -hmm. seems uh, people always talk about that being helpful for the process of writing. I don't know when I'm, like, trying to write stuff. Like, I, uh, I write a lot for school and I'm like always using like the online dictionary and thesaurus and things like that to try right. to help. So I don't know. I guess some people find it's like it reduces distraction. But I'd Maybe find they'll out. have some but dictionaries anyway, they'll go at somewhere. the retreat or something. <laughs> no dictionaries. No dictionaries and no thesauruses. <laughs> Those only exist online, Charles. Oh, There's okay. No, no such thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, uh, yeah. So it's, a, they'll just like go somewhere remote and like, all they'll do is sit there and and write for the most part. So I'm sure it's super helpful. They wrote like, I think they said 30,000 words of this. And, you know, it's not a huge novel, so it's most of it. And then they're like, oh, we'll finish it up over email or whatever. And they ended up actually not doing that. And then they would just, when they were at conventions together, just like <laughs> sit Keep next work, to get each back other. At it. Yeah. <laughs> presumably like in a hotel room and just like do it again. And it's, yeah, so really interesting premise for a novel and really interesting the writing process. And that that writing retreat, I think they said was like 10 days. So like they kind of cranked this out. And it's, meanwhile, it's like you, the prose is so good. Some people find it almost like dense and they have some trouble following it at times. But Hmm. yeah, they were able to write this like, award-winning novel that's like widely considered to have great prose in a pretty short period through this unique writing process that's super cool so so you said that the language was like is it like really literary language like what are we talking about here is this like a capital l literature kind of story as we always say yeah it's one of those books that definitely for genre writing sits closer to that capital L side. We'll talk about uh, books like, let's say, The Fifth Season, right, by N.K. Jemisin. Sure. As a book that's like clearly, that's a fantasy book, but it's also just in how it, uh, the prose of it and its approach to themes, that kind of stuff, it gets 
closer to that capital L. I would say this, uh, in terms of the writing style, feel closer to capital L literature at times than uh, than it, like than your typical fantasy novel or sci-fi novel. But I'll say also, it's like I wouldn't describe it as overly. Um, I'm I'm thinking this word I can I like not overly highfalutin if you will and I think it's yeah (laughs) which is itself overly highfalutin right yeah I've always found that a funny word right (laughs) it's one of those like uh, words that is like uh, I don't know describes itself so it's I would not describe it as highfalutin if anything it's kind of funny because you see their relationship develop over time as they keep writing each other these letters and uh, it's it's no secret that there's like romance elements to this if you look anywhere like spoiler free online reviews people mention that and you know i said the romeo and juliet aspect of it uh, so you see them get closer over time and you see their their writing style and the letters change to one that feels more familiar and it's also kind of they're both trying to show off at the beginning and kind of mm. like crap on the other person and they end up moving away from that more as, a, as time goes on but it's also like the word play uh is very um it, it's like it's just very clever where if you you almost would be well served by giving it another read afterward just to uh like actually figure out all of the wordplay that's going on in it. Uh, just, you know, there's there's one point where, um, I guess I, never mind, I shouldn't give that away, but uh, I'll just say there's a lot of times where I kind of like read something, I'd be like, oh God, I, like, I'm not entirely sure what that's referencing. And you'd have to almost like do some Googling because mm. it's like, yeah, it's very cleverly written. And also people people did find, like, sometimes uh, just looking at other people's reviews of it, like, the vocabulary they found to be too, uh, too I guess, fancy. And fancy. I think that, yeah, I'm moving away from highfalutin. <laughs> I'm moving toward, like, they use a lot of big words, which... I don't know that that didn't bother me too much, but I could see how it could take away from the reading experience for some. It kind of has the feel of almost like when we were reading Slow Regard of Silent Things by Patrick Rothfuss, not quite as like plotless and wandering as <laughs> that book is, which I say lovingly, you know, I, I, I adore everything that Rothfuss has written. For sure, uh, by, for sure. At the same time, uh, it's except the tweet that he wrote where he called me Brent, that <laughs> that I did not enjoy as much that uh, among Roth. This is that's pretty amazing. <laughs> but right, you know, even if you get called Brent, you still feel like uh, hey, an acknowledgement is an acknowledgement. You just gotta take it. Close. It's like yes, I am Brent. <laughs> yes, like, sir. <laughs> it's like. You know, it's one of those things. Like, should I just change the name at this point? And then, yeah. Then he called me by the right name. No one <laughs> knows any different. So 
yeah, anyway, it's got that kind of, like, at times, lyrical feel to it. Not, like, I'll say a, Amal El-Matar is an award-winning poet as well, and that shows up in her writing. And it's a, it's kind of like, let it wash over you experience. Like, that's how I see it as best enjoyed, like, yeah, you you remember that feeling from when we were reading the uh, slow regard of silent things, Rollins's oh, yeah. book, right? Yeah, no, it was so a, I, yeah. very atmospheric, and it was more about being in the moment, and I think the language served that as well by being more abstract and poetic, and more so than about plotting or world building or whatever other classical sci-fi fantasy stuff like magic systems stuff like that you know it was just more about being like experiential yeah this is it's experiential in some ways but it's also very focused on the relationship like the whole book is Mm -hmm. uh, primarily about red and blue's relationship how it develops and uh, it's it's very unique. I mean, I imagine that comes across from my uh, my attempt to like pitch it, <laughs> the spy versus spy meets Romeo and Juliet bit of it all. Uh, I would say the sci-fi elements I've mentioned before they're they're more in the background. So if you are someone who's like wants to get into the nitty gritty of like how the time travel works, what are the organizations that they're working for trying to accomplish? What would red impacting this timeline do? And why, like, why is blue been sent to stop it? It's like none of that really takes center stage ever <laughs> in this book, which I okay. didn't mind at all. Like I, you know i'm more of a character and relationship focused reader anyway i'm sure you'd probably describe yourself uh in that way as well charles absolutely i I appreciate that but uh, where i've seen people not enjoy the book as much it came from that like like they didn't explain the time travel at all and i I Mm. apologize for that the way i said that with the the impression of a a person who's somehow nerdier than i am because their voice got even nerdier than my voice is at its baseline that's the person i'm i'm doing impression of and i'm sorry if that's you but it's uh it is probably yeah yeah i i don't really have that many regrets but it's that is where I would say, like, this might not be the book for you, but if you enjoy the strong prose, if you're a character-driven reader, if you're a relationship-driven reader, and if the the premise that I've described appeals to you at all, uh, plus the fact that, like, hey, it's not just me recommending it. There's another one that has received uh, a lot of really impressive awards and all that kind of stuff, then yeah, absolutely great fit uh, for readers who are into all that. That sounds really cool. And that kind of, while you're talking about recommendations, I'm wondering what other books you'd recommend, like if people liked a certain book that they would might like this, like what kind of close recommendations do you have? Yeah, it's a tough one because it's so unique, but uh, I would say that 
like I said, Rothfuss is like prose and his mm-hmm. writing. Uh, that one is a great fit, especially if you liked slow regard of silent things. Um, if you only really like, if you only really like the King Killer Chronicle and then you read slow regard of silent things and you're like, ooh, like this is bad, which people have that opinion all the time. We saw a lot of that when we were, I think there's also the frustration that people had that it's like, oh, Rothfuss, you just yeah. published a, like another king killer book and it's this like, yeah it's not, not doors of stone <laughs> yeah exactly I, yeah so i i think though you need to you know you need to appreciate the pros and the experience of those kind of things to appreciate this book um i would also say another time travel focused book that i read that was more about the relationship like relationships and how the time travel can affect people and uh was a little bit more on like the capital literature than your typical uh like genre book uh the first 15 lives of harry august by claire north that's another one of the time travel books that mm-hmm. i've brought up before one of many uh, time would, travel books one of many oh yeah completely <laughs> one of many so there's like uh, I mean, I brought up Lost in Time, which was another, like, did I, I haven't done a full episode on it. I don't, I don't think, think but so, but it's come up in recommendations. It, um, Isn't there one by the Station Eleven author that was also time travel? Oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what? But that Sea of Tranquility is what yes, you're talking about. Yeah. That is a great recommendation, actually, for this as well. Oh. Like, which is another that one won the Goodreads Choice Award <laughs> or whatever for science fiction wow. last year. So, but did it win yeah, the Hugo? I would say that <laughs> that did not win the Hugo. Mm. I don't. I don't think room so. for improvement, guys. So. Across the board. <laughs> yeah she'll have to like wipe her tears with all that hbo station 11 tv show money <laughs> she'll have to just blot out the tears with those stacks of hundred dollar exactly. bills that she got from that one but <laughs> what about like piranesi yes, I... it's another novella oh unusually written very literary poetic language not so focused on plot well, you know what? That might be an epistolary novel, too. I don't know if it counts if it's journal entries instead uh, of letters. letters. See, so I don't know. We might have to do some Googling. But you know what? That's a fantastic recommendation, Charles. Look at me. And if you're into that, yeah, look at you. You haven't read the book, and you probably just gave <laughs> two gave better recommendations. Two strong recs. <laughs> Right. Yeah, those are fantastic. So I think it's a collection so. of Props letters. Props to you, Charles. So I don't know if Piranesi counts because it was a journal. So journal. Mm. Is there a separate fancy name for? I'm sure there highfalutin is. name for that one. <laughs> I am sure there is, right? but I don't know it. It's too highfalutin for me. <laughs> I know about buildings, Roman, which is like coming of age. Remember that buildings Roman? Is that when we were doing? Um, is it buildings Roman or like bonding? Bolt, I think. I remember it was when we were reading. Um, oh God, what's the name of the book? King Killer. Ursula. It was Ursula. King no, it was we were reading Ursula oh. K. Le Guin. Um, You're right. Her You're big, right. Her main famous book was super famous, beloved by Wizard of Earthsea. 
it was that. Was it? Oh, you couldn't think of the name. <laughs> yeah, but it was a buildings roman, and that is um, a novel dealing with one person's formative years or spiritual education. Uh, so, hmm. Um, which is for sure under the category. This is not a buildings roman. No, but that's the only other. <laughs> this book has like, pres- like beings that have presumably lived like many thousands of years. But you know what? They come kind of, this is kind of a spiritual, I know you weren't saying this is a buildings roman. You're just using the mm-hmm. word that you learned and you were very excited about. But I was trying to keep uh, up. This does have. With all these like, you know, uh, fancy like these these two have went to like really fancy schools here and yale <laughs> and all this so just i saw to keep max up. gladstone went to yale <laughs> yale amal elmatar went somewhere that was like a real competitive school too mm-hmm. and she um was reviewing books in the new york times and like you know pretty uh, yeah. creative writing instructor at carlton university and the university of ottawa Served as a host on Brandon Sanderson's creative writing podcast. Mm. So, you know, all kinds of... Writing excuses. I'm just trying to... As if you need us. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to keep up with, with people like that. And just like writing can Hugo Award books in for 10 days. 10 days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Charles, you want you want to go to some remote location with me and write a... Which also sounds like a weird thing to ever start a... <laughs> conversation uh, hey, do you want to go to some remote location with me if anyone ever starts to say that the answer is no but moving forward would you like to go on a writing retreat with me that sounds better uh, uh and just spend 10 days and we'll write a hugo award-winning book you and me charles we can give it the old college try it we might come out that. more like spy versus spy and end up in mad magazine instead but you know what yeah <laughs> give it a try it's just to see what yeah. we come up with. But uh, I think these guys stand on their own with their fantastic prose. And I'm glad I nailed the book, Rex, you know. That's a pretty good You really book. did. I mean, what can I say? You got a gift. It's my marketing brain, dude. I, I can make these comparisons. Because every time we do a recommendations episode, you always ask me that question. I never prepare for it. <laughs> so that I'm always in the moment. I should know. Like, there's no, I'm not blaming you. Like, I should know that question's coming. And I just never prepare for it. So that I'm always on the spot, like scrambling. I feel like I usually, you know, yeah, I, you I stand by my ones. recommendations. Sure, sure. But sure. yeah, that I think yours were even stronger. And I'd also say that, like, I don't know, the, uh, the the Piranesi wreck is that was that was smart. I think like Sea of Tranquility, it lent itself pretty easy. Right, it's another sort of like Goodreads choice uh, feeling novel. That's a like relatively recent novel that was uh, written about time travel. Isn't like super hard science fiction, even though it's technically science fiction. So it's like that's easy. You nailed it. But it was uh. uh you know, uh, uh, it was right up the middle, you know, it was a right. softball right. for you. But Piranesi, that's clever, especially because the, yeah, like the writing style of having journal entries is kind of like the letters. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I, I like that. So Thank if you're a big you. Piranesi fan, like we both are. For sure. For sure. Definitely recommend checking this one out. 
Right, well, th- I mean, the writing, the, the approach to writing this book alone has me curious. It's like two creative minds having fun, experimenting with the writing process, literally exchanging letters. And then it sounds like the language itself achieves that, being kind of clever. And, um, you know, I guess, is it like kind of humorous at times, the way they try and one-up yes. each other and retort and all that? Okay. Yeah, I should have probably said it more explicitly, but I was trying to, I guess, get out with the whole like uh, Ashes loser yeah. type, like we're making fun of each other type thing. But it is it's very funny, and the like the way the wordplay is used is uh, it's like playful. The relationship right. uh, between the two characters as they're they're sort of taunting each other, it's it's very funny and playful, and it. It doesn't take itself overly seriously. Um, it's also, I, I would say, for romance readers, there's there's a lot to dig your teeth into in mm. this one too. It's and it it would be what people refer to as a sapphic novel, which like that? Uh, that 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 term so has much become today. yeah. You're learning a lot, Charles. It's. It's a novel that has uh, like a romantic or sexual relationship between two women uh, as uh, like a central oh. point of it. Um, so I've never heard uh, of it. Yeah, the, the phrase sapphic. Yeah, I see it tossed around on social media. Um, but both characters use she, her pronouns. Neither is like it's post-human. Like both of their societies are, are post-human in some way. Uh, one being like technological singularity, the other being like entirely organic and like nature driven. So they're not like women in the sense of what we typically think about, but they are uh, both identifying like she, her. So uh, hmm. that definitely it comes up as one of the like top results when you search sapphic novels well charles i'm just glad that you've learned a lot of new things today i'm glad that we branched out thank you from the topic of pokemon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that yeah it's one of the nice things about although is pokemon fantasy is that... though that's something we should revisit <laughs> uh, note to self uh future episode idea pokemon okay as you were. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you <laughs> glad you put that note right here. You already covered is Star Wars fantasy in, yeah. with Derek uh, from Roger Roger, a Star Wars podcast, uh, your okay. vanity project that you do with our close <laughs> friend Derek, uh, and you you had him on. Yeah, uh, this was like, geez, this was a while ago, summer before last. It's like a year ago. You two yep. really, yeah, you two really chopped it up about. Is Star Wars fantasy? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you did you answer? You'll have to listen and question. find out. Listen and find out. Great plug for the episode. You know. Yep. <laughs> Everyone, go back. When, when I'll never Roger tell. Roger Star Wars <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'll never tell. <laughs> uh, community reference. Yeah. So the <laughs> when is Roger Roger a Star Wars podcast returning, Charles? That's what the world wants to know. Not soon enough, friends, but um, aren't we talking about how we're going to lose a time war? Isn't that 
why we're here today? Mm. Yes, that is why we're here today. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much said most of what I want to say. I'll just return to, like, this book, it's it's under 200 pages. I found it pretty easy to read in the sense of, like, there's not a million things to track, a million different things going on. Some people will find it a little bit dense. Uh, that wasn't my experience with it. Uh, I think it's a great palate cleanser. We talk about those sometimes with these books that are unique and are relatively short. I know Charles and I, between the, we call them Chihuahua killers, like Brandon <laughs> Sanderson's uh, Rhythm of War. When uh, This book, you can safely keep around a small pet with no worry that it's going to hurt them unless they eat it. Like, I, I could actually imagine some pets eating the paperback version of this. Uh, which is you're less afraid that Rhythm of War is going to get eaten because it's a like well over a thousand page doorstopper. But that being said, if this falls off the shelf and hits your Chihuahua, you know, not great for the Chihuahua, but they're going to be okay. They're going to make it. Uh, and I think that sometimes when you're big epic fantasy readers like us going for something that's more sci-fi but not super technical and has uh, enjoyable prose is funny oh you know what charles one more wreck murderbot oh that's a good another novella yeah Mm -hmm. another novella that won the hugo i believe right did murderbot win the hugo i think like it did I feel like it did too. Yeah. I'll Google we'll take it while you go with that. Why All Systems yeah. Red is a good wreck. Yeah, well, uh, All Systems Red, the first Murderbot novella by Martha Wells, is just a fantastic, technically sci fi novel, but isn't overly focused on the technological aspects, explaining how the world works and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's funny with quirky main character who is not entirely human. I would say that all of those things pretty much apply to this is how you lose the time war. So And it did win really the enjoyed... Nebula and the Hugo in twenty eighteen, which okay, I think it has is that. the year before this book. Yes. Um, yeah. So this won the twenty nineteen Nebula and the twenty twenty Hugo. So I <laughs> I guess they were sort of feeling that vibe when it comes to <laughs> the <laughs> best novella category. Should call it how to win the Nebula is... and the Hugo, you know? That <laughs> would be it more apt book title now uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 definitely not Fair. so <laughs> i'm sorry jones <laughs> i almost just let you hang with dead air like i almost just was like what if i just don't respond to that and i just let let it sit so huh? I, mean, I i decided to, at to least support each other you... in the show you know Graceful. Right, we're supposed to yes and. Yes. I, I, I didn't yes and you there. I, I just knowed you. <laughs> so, bad co-hosting by me. I'm going to have to, you know, go to the co-hosting penalty box after this mm-hmm. and, and really think over the choices that I've made. Not just today, but in my life overall. <laughs> if only there were some way to travel back in time uh, and change it. If only I were a character in This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal El Matar and Max 
Gladstone. Then I would be able to go back and change that horrible, horrible way that I responded <laughs> to Charles. And who knows what kind of great future that could create. But we'll never see it. And that is nope. a shame, Charles. It is a shame. But you know what? We will endure uh, because there's so many other episodes of Friends Talking Fantasy to be had and to be heard. But for now, guys, you know, this book sounds very interesting. I'm really interested in the way it was written and the way the story is structured. I've always liked books like that. You know, I loved All Systems Red, Piranesi. Um, I liked... um. Oh, God, the one where the guy's on Mars. Shoot, what's the name of that one? You read one of his <laughs> oh, books. Uh, yeah, The Martian, yeah, yeah. The Martian. Weird. The Martian. Yeah, I love The Martian, <laughs> um, which is not the, exactly the same. It's another journal thing, but, uh, you know, love it all the same. And it's got me curious, so have to check it out someday soon. But for now, I think there's nothing left unless there's anything else you wanted to add, of course. I'd just love to add that we should get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. You got it. Let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping. Thank you, everyone, one and all, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show... Follow us over on social media. That's at the FTF podcast on Instagram and the FTF podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they want to support the show even further than following us on social media and they like what they heard today, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, which you can now do over on Spotify. It's just two clicks over at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed, and it means so much to us when you do that. It really does. And you can also rate and or review on Apple Podcasts, and we always really appreciate when anyone does that. Puts a smile on our face when we read a nice review of the show. It really does. If you, It actually usually means I read it, a nice like screenshot it and then i text it to charles and i'm like hey charles look what someone said and he's like ah that's very nice and i assume he smiles when he's looking at it i sure but do you don't have to do that <laughs> just listening is more than enough you don't have to make charles smile but it's like- just listening guys already <laughs> brings a smile to my face and i love you all for that so thank you all for making it to the end thank you for listening and as always go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs> <laughs>